Uh, some of you have asked about the follow-up men's event this afternoon. You've had other items that you have attended and, and uh, wished you could have been there. It was recorded and will be up uh, in a couple of days on our website. And we encourage you to come again for the final of those three uh, follow-up sessions, which will be at 4.30 next Sunday afternoon. So, um, Mike, I know you mentioned this morning that you had been to Israel I was just noticing uh, tonight when you were baptizing, you just seemed to be using more water uh, than, you, than you used to. I'm, maybe it was uh, visiting the Jordan or um, maybe some experience, some spiritual experience. Uh, what a blessing to see that. And um, it's always good to know that new people are coming into the church and some by faith and Boy, if uh, this text is about anything tonight, it's about that. It's, it's about what it means to really know the Lord and to have a deep desire in your heart to know him even more. Uh, when I looked at the uh, uh, preaching schedule, the worship schedule a couple of months ago, I, I thought when I saw this text, I thought, well, uh, maybe John Franks gave me this because I'm the elder of uh, the pastors and uh, maybe I have failed at this more than anyone and so I can speak to it and that's probably true. So I hope the Lord will use that tonight. Our text is Matthew chapter 7, just three verses, verses, seven, uh, verses 21 through 23. You can find that in your pew Bible, page 965. Let's open our hearts and minds to the reading of God's word. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness." Let's pray. Father, we do ask you to attend by the Holy Spirit your word to us tonight. Uh, may it be our prayer, may it be our desire, and may you work that through the Spirit into our hearts that um, when we're done tonight, we will know you in a deeper way. We will understand you in a deeper way, and it will change uh, who we are in you. Uh, that's my prayer. Take that Holy Spirit, set our hearts on fire with love for you and for one another. We pray and ask it in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Well, there is a, a theme running throughout scripture about um, two ways, two destinations, two paths, whether it's the Old Testament or whether it's the New Testament, you can find it over and over and over again. So I want to read just a couple of passages to you that just lay the foundation for Jesus talking about this tonight in this passage. First of all, from Deuteronomy. For this commandment that I command you today is not too hard for you, neither is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say who will ascend to heaven for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. Neither is it beyond the sea that you should say who will go over to the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. 
but the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you can do it. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today by loving the Lord your God, by walking in his way and by keeping his commandments and his statutes and his rules, then you shall live and multiply and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. But if your hearts turn away and you will not hear, but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not live long in the land that you are going over the Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice and holding fast to him for he is your life and length of days that you may dwell in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob to give them. Just highlight, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice and holding fast to him. And then Jeremiah says this, and to this people you shall say, thus says the Lord, behold, I set before you the way of life and the way of death. There are broad and narrow ways. There are good fruits and bad fruits. The passage tonight, to understand it clearly, we should read it in light of verse 19 of chapter seven that says this, And Pastor Williams preached on it last week. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. The ultimate rejection of those whose discipleship was only superficial was not real. So let me say this. Precision in your decision to follow Christ in your conversion sometimes are missing. Uh, For example, let me tell you how that was missing in my own conversion story. When I was a young man, my paternal grandfather was a pastor, and he was preaching in his church, and we happened to be visiting in that town on that particular Sunday, and as he often did, he gave an altar call at the end of the service for those who felt a call to come to Christ to walk the aisle and to make that profession of faith. And I did that. And um, I went back home to, uh, to where we lived and began to live my life the way I had always lived it. And nothing really happened. But in my mind, I had given my life to Christ. And I was a Christian, I was a believer. And um, it took a long time through high school and college of sort of living the life that I wanted to live. And, uh, you know, there were times when I actually was pretty good, pretty moral. But there were many times when I was not. And it took probably in my uh, early 30s before, late 20s, early 30s, before I actually realized that I was about to lose my marriage. And I never will forget it. It's been uh, 38 years, but it was, it's almost as if it was just yesterday for me. 
that I was in this apartment with nothing on the walls and very little furniture in there. And I was uh, crying out to the Lord, desperate, because I could not make life work for me and for anybody else I had a relationship with. And, um, and I just palpably felt the Spirit speak to me that night and change me and convert me. And I asked, I said, I, I have to have you in my life. You have to have control in my life or it's, it's just not going to work. And that began a process, a 38-year process of learning to live in light of that relationship with the Lord Jesus. And obviously, there have been ups and downs along the way and times when, you know, when I haven't felt as faithful as I should have been. But that night changed my life. And I had to recognize that when I walked the aisle at my grandfather's church, that that was not a real conversion. And that's hard to do when you're the grandson and your grandfather's a preacher. It's hard to say that wasn't real. What he was doing was real, but what happened to me was not real. And so sometimes we think that we've given our lives fully, completely, totally to Jesus, and we haven't. And part of what Jesus is trying to say in this passage uh, that we're looking at tonight is, how does that happen? And he lists two primary ways that it happens. Uh, One is, well, you say all the right things. The second is, well, you do all the right things. And at the end of it, he says, I never knew you. Because whatever you were saying, however right they were, whatever you were doing, and however good they were, they weren't really about me. They weren't really about your relationship with me. So that's what he's saying here in this passage tonight in these three short verses, which means it should be a short sermon, so we'll see how that goes. He talks in chapter 7 about twos. There are four twos in chapter 7. In verses 13 and 14, he talks about two gates. Last week, he talked about two trees. Tonight, he talks about two doers. Next week, he'll talk about two houses. And each one of those are a warning. He's done all of this teaching, and he's about to wind down the Sermon on the Mount. And he's talking to his disciples and others who are listening and saying, Look, I want to give you some warnings about what it means to follow me. It's not just what you say, and it's not just what you do. It's really how you feel about me, how you understand me, and how you relate to me in your life. It's a radical choice to follow Jesus. It's a radical choice to follow him. Sometimes I don't believe we understand how radical it is. He was radical in his own day, and to follow him today is radical. We must make choices. And he tells us about these warnings in this passage, one verbal and the other very or little substance. 
The first one is verse 21. He says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. So you notice right out of the gate, he doesn't say that this is true of everyone. What he says is, Not everyone who says to me. So there are many who say to him, Lord, Lord, and they're tracking with the Lord Jesus. He is in their heart. They are connected with him, and they are doing his will. But not everyone. So he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. So there's a verbal profession, but it has no teeth to it. So someone is confessing Christ, but they don't live Christ. Our final landing place, Jesus says, is not based on what we say, but it's on what we are doing with what we have professed. He's not saying a verbal profession, a profession is unnecessary either. I mean, Paul would say by no means. In fact, in Romans 10, he says this, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Verse 10 is the one I really love because I think it drives home what Jesus is saying here in chapter seven. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. I mean, I think that order, Paul has that order for a reason. It is the heart. It is the heart that believes. You don't believe with your head, you believe with your heart. You know what that's like, don't you, in your relationships? When you really, when you really love someone, it is in your heart. It is not just in your head. Words are not enough for Jesus. However, one has to say in this particular verse, they do seem to be sincere. Uh, they're respectful. They say, Lord, Lord. So often when that's used in the scriptures, it is a sign of respect and sincerity. They have passion. They say, look, this is what we did, and we did it in your name. They're sincere. They're honest. They're respectful. They have passion. But Jesus says, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, saying it is not enough. There's more. Uh, in his book, The Cost of Discipleship, Diedrich Bonhoeffer writes this about what he calls cheap grace. He says, cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance, baptism without church discipline, communion without confession, absolution without personal confession. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship, grace without the cross, grace without Jesus Christ living and incarnate. Brothers and sisters, there are churches all across this country today, and there are people in those churches for whom what they profess is cheap grace. Can you worship and confess the faith? Absolutely. We did it this morning. Can you be in a Bible study? Can you even be in ministry? Yes, you absolutely can. You can be ordained. There's an elder that I've known for many years in a PCA church, and he will often say in the right context, 
I was an elder, ordained elder for years before I ever came to faith in Jesus. You can go to seminary, you can become a pastor and not have yet experienced that personal relationship with Jesus. You can answer all the questions right, but not have a personal relationship with Jesus. There are pastors in pulpits that do not know Jesus personally. Do you personally have a relationship with Jesus Christ? That's really the question he's asking tonight. Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? Are you just going through the motions? Are you just reciting the creed? Are you just reciting the Nicene Creed? Are you just praying? Are you just coming? Or do you have a personal heart-faith relationship with the living Christ? That's what he wants to know. And if you don't, he is saying, that's a choice you are making, and that choice is not going to end up well for you in the end. Though he sought by these means... To love God fully. That was what happened to Martin Luther. Luther was extraordinarily successful as a monk. I mean, as, as monkery goes, there was none any better than Martin Luther. He plunged into prayer, fasting and ascetic practices, going without sleep, enduring bone-chilling cold without a blanket, and flagellating himself. But he later commented this. He said... If anyone could have earned heaven by the life of a monk, it was I. Though he sought by these means to love God fully, he found no consolation. It just didn't work. It just didn't happen for him. He did all of these things and was good at them, but it didn't work. And then he began to lecture in Wittenberg on the Psalms and Romans and he began to see a way out of his dilemma. He said this, At last, meditating day and night by the mercy of God, I began to understand that the righteousness of God is that through, is that through which the righteous live by a gift of God, namely by faith. Here I felt as if I was entirely born again and had entered paradise itself through the gate that had been flung open for me. I'll bet some of you have had that experience in your life. It's like the gate was flung open for you and you finally understood and you finally gave in to that total commitment to Jesus. Not cheap grace, but all in. With Christ. Knowing the right things is the first warning flag that Jesus raises for us. The second one is works. He says this in verse 22 On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So it's not just that I say the right things and even believe the right things, but it's also that I do the right things. You've heard that before, haven't you? Do the right thing here. 
would do the right thing in the gospel is to believe in Jesus in a way that spurs you on to those good works, not because you're trying to earn some favor with God, but because you love him so much, you have no, you have no desire to do anything else but that. That's what he desires for you. They're not sitting on their hands. They're prophesying, they're casting out demons, they're doing mighty works, probably healings. But back to the fruit imagery from last week. 2 Thessalonians 2.9 says this, The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders. So just because you're doing all those amazing things doesn't mean you belong to Jesus. Having said this, works when informed by faith is precisely what Jesus expects and wants from us. When either is missing from the other, there has not been a real conversion. Back to my story, it just wasn't there. I said the words, I went to church, I did the thing, but it just wasn't there. I had to come to another place in my life where I realized I've been kind of playing at this. And what happened wasn't real, and that wasn't my moment of conversion. Jesus is saying, I recognize what you're doing, and I recognize what you're saying. What I do not recognize is why it has not changed your heart. I hear what you're saying. I know what you're doing. But what I cannot understand, Jesus says, is why it hasn't really changed your heart. I hope that pierces every one of us just a bit because that's what he desires. I was listening this morning to Pastor Heron's sermon and his illustration about his family trip to Texas going uh, the wrong way after they switched drivers. And I'm thinking to myself, what a great story for this passage. You have two ways to go here. And they found themselves with all the best intentions of the world going the wrong way. Their father, fortunately, understood that as they saw the Alabama, welcome to Alabama sign. Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, is showing you that sign all the time. Welcome to Alabama. Oops, that's not where I was going. And he wants you to see that. And I want to encourage you to pray for that so that when the Spirit does that speaking into your heart, you get it. It connects with you. And you say, I'm going the wrong way. The other image this morning that came out of that sermon was David and Absalom. There are two paths there. Now, granted, David is a hardhead, and he created all kinds of family issues for the rest of all of their lives. And many of us understand that as well. But Absalom would not repent. He would not turn. He would not understand that he was going the wrong way. And David did, with all of his sins and with all of his faults. I find a lot of comfort and hope 
in God's willingness to be patient with David. But there comes a moment, and this passage speaks to that, there comes a moment when time is up. And that's called judgment day. And some are going to come to him that day and say, Lord, Lord, look at all the things I did. Look at all the theology I knew. And he's going to say, I'm sorry, I don't know you. I pray that that's not going to be us. Only thing that matters, the only thing that matters is our personal commitment to Jesus. Everything else will fall into place if we have that. But apart from that, we can go so many paths that are not helpful in our journey. Are we Christians? Well, that is the question. That's the question Jesus is asking here. Are we Christians? I mean, I know we're members, but are we Christians? Is it real? The answer is not about what you believe, Lord, Lord, or your good works, did we prophesy in your name, but on your relationship to Jesus. That's the only thing that matters. Does he know you? Does he know you? You think about that. And if you don't have that relationship with Jesus, let's talk. That's his desire. Let's pray. Lord, I am so thankful that you don't let us off the hook that you are continuing to, either through examples and experiences that we have in our, li- in our lives or through texts like this, that you're saying to us, pay attention, pay attention. You may be going the wrong way. Maybe time to turn around. Maybe time to reassess. Uh, maybe time to recenter on your life's GPS. Lord, when you speak those words of correction and direction for us. May your Holy Spirit be so at work in us, in our hearts, that we would hear it and respond to it because that is what will please you and what will give our life the kind of significance and depth that you want us to have and that will be so heartwarming for us and give us such a passion for this life and all that we do in it. Would you do that work through your spirit in us, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.